If you got your Bibles, John 16, 1 Peter 1, James 1, we're going to rock through a message in a series that I'm calling God Never Said That. God, last week we talked about something kind of hard, didn't we? God never said that. We talked about the subject of forgiveness. Heard many people this last week talking about it, heard conversations about it, people talked to me about it. Woo! Difficult subject, that subject of forgiveness, isn't it? Okay, so today we're going to make it a little bit different. It's going to be just as difficult, all right? Yeah, just as difficult. And many of you are vacationing. This is a fall break. And so those of you that are traveling, that are listening by live stream or Facebook or watching on YouTube, thanks for joining us today. We're glad that you took some time, part of your family time, to be with us as a part of the family here at New Life Church. Here we go. I met a guy. I was working out in a fitness center I used to work out at in another community we lived in. And I met a guy, and he just happened to go about the same time I did and uh, be working out. And I, I, I need a spot. And so he come over to spot me, and I go over to spot him. And I kind of became these friends. He never really knew my name. I was the pastor of the largest church in town at that time and, and in that community. And so he just called me preacher, 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 preacher. I was, okay, okay, that's, I've been called worse, right? So he just called me preacher. And, um, and so he, preacher, come, can I get a spot? Sure, come over there, give him a spot. Well, after a while, I thought, you know, I probably, I got to figure, figure out a non-weird way to talk to this guy about Jesus because he's in my life and I want to see what I can do. And so I wanted to talk to him about spiritual things, about faith and and so I began to try to talk to him a little bit about God. And he said to me, he said, preacher, I like you and all, but, but I don't want to hear all that Jesus stuff. Fair enough. I said, but can I just ask you one question? Just one question. Fair, okay, preacher, you can ask me one. Why don't you want me to tell you about Jesus? About, but why? Just tell me why. It's just one question, just Why? He said, well, he said, the reason I don't want to hear all this Jesus stuff is because I tried this Jesus stuff before and it didn't work. I said, okay, let me just ask you one more question. Just one more, I just need one more question. Can you tell me what you mean by it didn't work? I'm just curious, how did it not work for you, this Jesus stuff? Just that last question, just answer that for me. And he said, well, he said, wasn't that long ago, preacher, I went to church for two months. I was at church for two straight months. And in that time that I went to church every Sunday for two, to him that sounded like a lot, right? For two straight months, my girlfriend broke up with me. I lost my job and my plumbing backed up. Sounds like a bad country song, doesn't it? Right? <laughs> so so <laughs> he said, I tried Jesus and it didn't work. Okay. So this message in this 25 minutes I've got with you today on a Sunday, before you rush off to do life for the rest of the week, this message is dedicated to any of you who feels like you've tried this Jesus stuff and life is just not going the way that you wanted it to go, okay? We're in this series, God Never Said That. Why are we talking about what God never said? Because if we can kind of figure out what, you know, not a lot of Christians say this or hear this and you know, listen to this, but a lot of people that you bump into, oh yeah, they believe things that God never said. And so we're gonna talk about what God never said so that we can understand what the power of what he really did say. So today we're gonna look at what Jesus didn't say about having good days. What Jesus didn't say about having bad days. What Jesus didn't say about your life always being blessed. So just for fun, I want to start off with a couple of things that God never said. God never said, whoever does the will of my father will always get the best parking spots. He, did, he didn't say that. God never said, if you lose your life for my sake, 
You'll always look great in your swimsuit. He didn't say that. He never said that. God never said, seek first the kingdom of God and you will never get a zit before prom. He never said that, right? Here's what I hope you understand. Jesus never promised that you would be healthy every day of your life. He never promised that you'd be wealthy every day of your life. He never promised that your Wi-Fi would never buffer when you're trying to watch a Netflix program. He He never promised that. What I wanna do today is look at what Jesus did say in John 16, and then we'll understand what he didn't say. So let me tell you the context. In John chapter 16, what's happening here is Jesus is like, disciples, huddle up, huddle up. Everybody, come on, come on, huddle up, huddle up. I, I know you can hear the 60,000 people in the stands all around you, but I need you to come close because I need you to hear me call the play because I'm fixing to die very soon. I'm gonna go to the cross and then you're gonna be left here and I need you to hear my final instructions. If you don't listen to my final instructions, you won't survive. But if you listen to my final instructions, you're not just going to survive, but you're going to turn this world upside down for me. So he's huddling them up. He's given them last minute instructions, his final thoughts, his final prayer before he goes to the cross. He's trying to empower them to, to, to go on mission, just like he's trying to empower you to go on your mission with him today. And this is what he said in John 16, verse number 20. Very truly, I tell you, you're going to weep and you're going to mourn while the world rejoices. You'll grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. I want to look at that verse again. I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world, everybody say the world, while the world rejoices. Um, so 19 times in this portion of scripture, you're going to hear Jesus say um, in this upcoming speech and kind of prayer and ministry message he's given to these guys, you're going to hear him say the words, <coughs> the world. We're not going to touch on all of those today, but he's going to say, peace I give to you, but I don't give you peace like the world does. He's going to say, I came from the Father uh, to the world, and I'm leaving the world to go back to the Father. He's going to say, if the world hates you, remember it's because of me. He's going to say, if you belong to the world, then you're going to love as the world loves, but you belong to me, not to the world. He's going to say, when he prays, he's going to say, help them in the world talking about us. He's gonna, in other words, he's saying you're in the world, but you're not of the world. And so he talks a lot about the world. And then so in verse number 21, he goes on to say, um, a woman is giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that is a child born into the world. Right now, right now, they said shortly after noon, Michelle would be going in to have her baby. And I need you to understand something about this. A lot of, it seems like there's babies in the water here at New Life Church. Over the last eight years, there's been a lot of babies being born, which is exciting stuff. I love it, I love it, love it. You gotta understand something about Michelle. She's been very candid, and, and, and Chris have been very candid about their, thank you so much, I appreciate that. All right. Um, she's been very candid about, um, about, about uh, what's, what's happening. Their first child, Bella, who is a doll, um, came after several uh, 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 miscarriages. And then she was told she would never have another child. And, 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 and then her and Chris had thought, well, we're, we're going to go through the process again of the, the whole in vitro and all of that kind of stuff again. So we took her aside and we said, we don't believe, I, don't, I don't believe you need to do that. I, I believe that God can do all things. And so we're going to lay our hands on you and we're going to pray for you and we're going to believe that God is going to give you a child. I believe that. And so what we did was we prayed for her. And, and it wasn't but six weeks later, she found out they were expecting a child. And we said hallelujah to that. And, and she's been in, in, amazed by that. 
then she was sick, very, very sick. And, and some of you understand, but uh, she was very, very sick during her pregnancy. And, um, and now she's been very uncomfortable toward the end, and now she's a very high-risk pregnancy, and so they're take, taking the baby uh, right now, shortly after noon. She's in there. We prayed for her. We believe great things are going to happen. Here's the deal. Um, all of that that they went through, when baby girl is born in a few moments... And, and is laid upon her, her chest. All of that pain and all of that discomfort. Y'all know, some of y'all are nodding because you get what I'm saying. It's all going to be gone. That's exactly the illustration that Jesus is giving to us. He's like, you're going to weep. And you're going to mourn. There's going to be some bad days in your life. But your pain is going to be turned into joy when you continue to walk with Jesus. Verse number 22 uh, tells us, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy and no one will take away your joy. Let me fix this microphone. Give me one second. All right, thank you for that. No one is gonna take away your joy. I, I love that part of the verse. No one can take away your joy. Jump down to verse number 33. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, in me, in me, in me. Verse number 33, in me. I have told you these things, Jesus is saying, so that in me you may have peace. And then he says, in this world you're gonna have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Okay, let's put this together. In Christ in him, in his presence, when you dwell in him, he's saying you're gonna have peace. He doesn't say you're always gonna have good days. He doesn't say you'll never have pain. He doesn't say you're always gonna crush it. He doesn't say you're gonna own it. He never says, you go, girl. He doesn't say that. Instead, he says, listen, you, he, he tells you you're not always gonna be blessed in your life. The sun's not always gonna shine in your life. The wind is not always gonna be to your back in your life. You're gonna have difficult days. In this world, you will have trouble. It's a promise. Jesus is saying challenges are certain. Pain is a promise. Suffering in this world is inevitable. <laughs> Welcome to New Life Church, a place of encouragement. Aren't you glad you came today, right? Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you're gonna live a pain-free life. He says you're gonna be persecuted. He says you're gonna face hardships. He says you're gonna face all kinds of trouble. And tragically, for some people in here today, that's exactly where you are right now. Some of y'all are in the middle of a very difficult life season. And you feel like you're being overlooked or you're left out or rejected. Maybe some of you even feel very alone in the midst of a crowd. There are those of you who've failed at something in your life. And that failure, yeah, it's stolen your confidence. And you no longer have the confidence, you lost it. And so you're in a season where you're trying to shake off depression, but no matter how hard you try to shake off depression, it gets heavier and, and heavier. Earlier this year, I prayed to the Lord. I said, God, would you help me to start seeing and feeling what the people of New Life Church are experiencing? And I prayed for the gift of a, a prophetic gift, a, a gift that says, I don't have to ask you what you're going through. But God, just help me to see. Help me to feel it. I don't know about, I don't know if that was a courageous prayer or not, because I, I, I feel it, especially on Sunday mornings when I come in here and I, I glance around, I feel like the Lord gives me like a vision, like I can see what it is, how it hurts, 
how heavy some of you feel. It's, it's connected. And, and no matter how hard and how heavy it is, you're not, you're not alone. Some of you, it's a very dark time financially for you right now. The pressure, it just hangs there. It's looming and it won't go away. Tragically, there's so many people have health issues. Other people, it's a relational stuff. You, you've got a, a kid, that no matter how much you love them, no matter how hard you try, that child continues to make decisions that, that you know are dangerous decisions. You're trying to love them in the right direction, but they keep going in the wrong. Maybe it's not a kid. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's even a, a parent or a coworker, and it, it hurts. Maybe it's a work. Maybe you've got work pressures. It's unbearable pain because there's so much, there's more work to do than what is humanly possible. You, don't, you can't get it all done. So you're afraid and, and you're hurting and, and you're overwhelmed and it doesn't seem like anybody around you understands what you're going through. It's times like that that you're, you're tempted to be just like my friend and wonder, God, where are you? I tried that Jesus stuff. I tried that Jesus thing. But all I'm feeling is pain. I'm, 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 I'm hitting a wall. I'm, 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 I'm reaching resistance. Every, God, where are you? So I thought about it. I thought, well, if, if pain, if Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble, that's a promise of pain. If pain is a promise, then there's got to be some kind of purpose behind what God would allow his children to endure. Because if I know how to give good gifts to my kids, how much more does our heavenly father know how to give good gifts to his kids? So that's what I wanna to talk to you about in the last few minutes we have together. Two, two blessings that we actually can experience in trouble and in hardship. Many of you are in trouble and in hardship now. But some of you are not. But to the some of you that are not, you will be. Because Jesus promises that in this world you are going to have trouble, but take heart. And how do we do that? Well, maybe by embracing these promises, these blessings. Number one, trouble and hardship, guys, it proves your faith. It proves your faith. Trouble and hardship reveal the depth of your faith, the depth of your trust in Jesus. Peter is writing a letter in 1 Peter. It's, a, it's an epistle is what it's called, but it's a letter that Peter is writing. Who's he writing to? Well, he's writing to the Christians. And Christians in 60 to 65 AD, after Jesus had died and, and resurrected, in, in, in that year, the emperor Nero, who was evil, was in charge of the land. I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about Hitler on steroids. This guy was evil to the core. Nero was so evil. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, he, would, he would capture Christians just for being Christians. And he would um, kill animals, deer, let's say. He would skin the deer. He would then take the deer skin and very, taking very long, very sharp needles with some very thick thread would then sew those deer skins on live human beings, on Christians, not to their clothes, to their skin. He would then send them loose throughout the city to run from dogs that he had trained to hunt down these things. The dogs would catch these Christians who had been sewn, had the, the skin sewn to them, and eat them alive. Those are the people Peter's writing this letter to. Uh, he, 
Nero would take Christians, gather them up. He would pour hot wax, boiling wax on them. He would then tie them to a tree. He would have a banquet in his, in his uh, castle, in his headquarters or his home. And he would, in nearby trees, he would tie these Christians who had wax on them. He would light them on fire as human candles. And in the, in the, in the darkness, while they were eating and celebrating, they could see glows all over the place and hear the echoes of the screams of these Christians dying, being burned alive. And these are the people that Peter is writing this letter to. He's writing letters to people that are persecuted or have lost family members and friends who have been persecuted and put to death and lost all their possessions and lost all of their influence and community because they gave their lives to Jesus. It's in that context that Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God, pins these words when he says it in his letter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, that's kind of an understatement. These have come, why has it happened, Peter? I'm gonna tell you why. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Somebody say amen. What he's saying is these trials will show if your faith is genuine or not. The trials that you're going through right now will show if your faith is genuine or not. That tells me that if there's genuine faith, there must also be counterfeit faith. There must also be fake faith. If there's genuine faith and it's proved, then there must also be faith that isn't genuine, that is counterfeit. In fact, one of the fears that weighs on me as a pastor of this great gospel message in the culture that we live today is I'm afraid that there's so many people that have counterfeit faith. That when it gets difficult, when trouble comes, when you're not always living on the mountaintop, when persecution comes your way, it might look real on the outside, but the roots don't go very deep underneath. May it be said of New Life Church and all of our ministries that we are training you and teaching you to go deep in your roots with Jesus Christ. I see it all the time. I, 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 I try that church thing. I'm in the church. I'm doing this God thing. I'm doing the Jesus thing. Then something bad happens in my life. And we pull away. The problem is, it's not judgment, it's just the truth. The roots aren't as deep as they need to be. Jesus talked about that, didn't he? This is a parable he told. And he's, like, he's like, you know, um, what happens is if you don't have deep roots, the plant starts to grow and the, the wind comes and the scorching sun is above it and it withers. I see this so often. I've got migraines. God, where are you? I got rejected. God, I can't trust you. You didn't answer my prayer. God, you must not be real. Actually, it's in those times that you're, 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 if you have genuine faith and your roots are deep, then when the sun burns and when the wind blows, that's when you stand strong. That's when you're deeply rooted in Christ. Because why? Because your faith is real. Because trials, because trouble proves your faith. Jesus is contrasting these two things in verse 33 in John chapter 16. He's, he's, he's saying, listen, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. That's because you're part of a broken, sin-filled world. It just is what it is. 
But take heart. I have overcome the world. In, in this world, I'm going to give you peace. So in the midst of the sin-stained world, you can have peace from heaven. A peace that goes beyond our human ability to understand or, 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 or we can't get it. We can't get it from anybody except from God. Because why? Because trouble and hardship, it proves your faith. Um, many years ago, young, young in ministry, in my 20s, um, we were at a church in, in the Midwest, and I was asked to do a funeral service. Um, and and I, I said, sure. We had been at this church for, I'm thinking about a year. I can't really remember. And um, I, I did what you do. Uh, you go talk to the family. And so I sat down with the family, much like I did the Marine family uh, last week, to talk to them about stories and about, about the family member and honor their wishes and how the celebration of life gathering, the funeral gathering will take place. And so I was talking to this family and I was blown away. She was a solid saint, Christian that had passed away. But this family was overwhelmed with grief. Like they didn't look like they had any hope. And so I listened to them and and I, I didn't, for the day of the service, I didn't know what to say. I knew what to say. I just didn't know what to say. It's kind of like this. Uh, many people can play the notes, but they can't make the music. You know what I'm talking about? I knew what to, pastorally speaking, I knew what to say. I just didn't know what to say. I'm looking at the faces of a hopeless crowd. So I step up behind, at the church, I step up behind this giant piece of furniture we used to have, the, the, the podium that was there. And, and I, I grab onto this thing and I've got my notes and I know what to say, but I don't know what to say. And so I'm silent for just a moment because all I can remember in that moment is this, this dear lady who I didn't know that well, but it seemed like every time I said in church, whether I'm praying or whether I was preaching, um, I would say, you know, God is good. She would just with reckless abandon say, oh! time because in church it used to be when you said God is good the crowd would say all the time and you'd say back to them and all the time and the crowd would say God is good and uh and and so I would just say you know God is good throughout them and she all the time like just kind of interrupting and she was happy so I'm looking at this crowd and I'm, I've got, I'm, I got a grip, like a grip on this big old podium that's up here because I'm, I'm nervous, I'm young, I don't, I'm, I'm seeing hopelessness, just sad people. It's different between seeing grief and seeing hopelessness. And I'm seeing hopelessness. And I clear my throat and I change everything and I said, God is good. And it was at that moment, in that second, that something broke. And I'm looking at the crowd as if it was a wave coming across the five sections of people. And, I, and I, I'm listening, and I'm, and I'm hearing, and I'm looking, and even though tears are coming down their face, I'm hearing crackling voices, and all in one, like, unified voice, they all, like, the chins went a little higher, the chest went out a little bit, little bit further, and they said, all the time, It was a miracle. It's like we have hope. He's good all the time. Amen. Trials and trouble, they prove your faith. You're still standing. You're still here. Your faith is real. 
You're still trying to worship in the middle of the trial. Your faith is real. And you listen to me. No one can take away what God is doing inside of you because I promise you, he will turn your grief into joy. Trials and trouble, they prove your faith. And then number two, trouble and hardship, they prepare you for your purpose. It's not something that's happening to you as much as it is something that God is doing in you. Uh, you want to grow stronger? You want a better faith? You, you want to be prepared to do more? Newsflash, ease and comfort never make you stronger. I have no idea why they put couches in the lobbies of fitness centers. I don't know why they do that. It's like inviting people to just sit on the couch, right? Isn't that the opposite of what we're trying to do? It's, I understand they, they, it's like a waiting room thing, but you go to the, what makes you stronger? Sitting on the couch at the fitness center, scrolling through YouTube videos, or lifting weights? See, lifting weights is going to make you stronger because you let the resistance strengthen you. Resistance strengthens you. Resilience uh, comes when you have resistance because resistance strengthens your faith. That's really good, Troy. It sounds like a, a tweetable thing, but can you prove it by the Bible? I'm glad you asked. James chapter one, just three verses, two, three, and four. Another letter that's being penned and written to the persecuted church. And James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials, are you kidding me? Do you have any idea what I'm going through right now, James? I'm supposed to consider pure joy. How do I do that? Well, he's going to give us some insight here. Verse number three, he says, because you know that the testing of your faith, okay, it's going to produce perseverance. I get it. And let perseverance, perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's where God wants us. God wants us to live trouble and hardship prepare you for your purpose. Um, do you believe that you are who other people say you are? Or do you believe that you are who God says you are? Put your confidence in God. Put your confidence in God. And put your confidence in God. Put it there. It's the, it's the resistance that's doing something in your life, preparing you for something in the future, you're like, I don't see the point, Troy. I'm so discouraged. I feel overwhelmed. I'm afraid. Listen to me. Listen to me. Could it be that God's preparation comes packaged as pain? Could it be that the very thing that God is preparing you for later on comes packaged as hardship, comes packaged as trouble, comes packaged as trials right now? You know, Joseph in the Old Testament, he, God was preparing him to rule over Egypt, but he didn't go off to college for that. Uh, he had to learn it through the, the, the process that God took him through from his teen years to his 30s. And how did he learn that? Well, he was rejected by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused of things he, crimes he did not commit. And during all of that, his roots were going deeper and deeper, and his confidence was growing stronger and stronger. Peter, Peter, remember Peter? He walked on the water, and then he took his eyes off of Jesus, and now he finds himself in the water. What did that do? What did that do for Peter? Well, it put him in a place that he needed to trust in Jesus. Some of you are going down in the water right now. It's putting you in a place that you need to put your faith and your confidence in 
Jesus. Later on, he's pretty bold. He's like, I don't know about all these other putzes. I don't know about all these other losers, Jesus, but I will never deny you. And, uh, and Jesus is like, I'm right on, right on. And then, of course, three little girls come and ask him a question, and Peter denies Jesus three times. And, uh, and, 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 and then, but, but God wasn't done with him yet because then Jesus reinstates him and he validates him and he says, he says, do you love me? And yes, I love you. Then he says, you're still called, go out and feed my sheep. So how did God prepare Peter to be the speaker on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ on the birthday of the church? He developed resilience through resistance. Could it be that God's preparation oftentimes comes packaged as pain. A lot of times I'll tell myself, Troy, it's not pain, it's preparation. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not pain, it's preparation. Come on, say it. It's not pain, it's preparation. It's not pain, it's preparation. It's, you, gotta, you gotta change your perspective. You gotta change your mindset. It's, it's God doing something in me. It's not just what's happening to me. You aren't, you aren't being turned down, you're being toughened up. Amen. Amen. The trial that you're going through is purifying your heart. The lowliness is teaching you to trust God. The betrayal, it's increasing your capacity to forgive like Jesus forgave. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, the setback, it's not a setback. It's a setup for God to be glorified in your circumstance. Amen. The pain, there's always purpose in the pain. God isn't wasting a hurt. He proves it proves your faith. It prepares you for your purpose. The good news is, the good news is not that Jesus delivers you from your pain, although he does. The good news is Jesus delivers you from your sins. And that's the only thing that's going to get you to heaven. He is here. His grace is here. His forgiveness is here. He is real. He is still working all things together for your good. He, he, he never promised you that your girlfriend wouldn't leave you. He never promised you that you wouldn't lose your job. And he never promised you that your plumbing wouldn't back up. Following Jesus isn't about having, this is sobering. Following Jesus isn't about having the life that you want to have on earth. It's actually about denying yourself, taking up your cross, dying to yourself and following him because the world is temporary it's passing it's fleeting it's a puff of smoke it's here today and it's gone tomorrow that's why Jesus said in verse number 33 I told you these things so that you may have peace in this world you're going to have trouble but take heart he says I have overcome the world in this world you're going to have heartache in this world you're going to have pain in this world, you're going to be rejected. In this world, you're going to cry yourself to sleep many, many nights. But in Christ, you can have peace that goes beyond human ability to understand. That's why I can be, let me be personal. That's why I can be hurting on the inside with all sorts of personal pain and all sorts of struggle and still preach with fierce faith because my faith has been proven. You might knock me down, but I'm coming back. Why? Because my roots are deep. And if there's anything strong in me, it's not me. It is Jesus preparing me for a purpose that he has for me in my life. And it's the same thing for you. In this world, you're gonna have trouble, but Jesus overcame the world. And if you're born again, he, he overcame the world on your behalf as well. 
in this world, you're going to have heartache. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have letdowns. That what Jesus says is this. I have overcome the world. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But with Jesus, you're going to have peace. If you agree, would you just clap your hands for the Lord? Say, God, I'm grateful for that today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Close your eyes, would you please? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, today we pray for that peace from heaven. Make yourself known, God. I pray that you'd make our faith deep. If we, listen, if you need an extra dose of the presence of God in your life today, you need his grace, you need his presence. Man, I'm talking straight to you. Would you just, right now where you're sitting with no one looking around, lift your hand up to God and let me pray for you. Would you do that? God, I need an extra dose today. I need a little more of your grace, your favor, God, in my life. God, I pray for those who are raising their hands, for those that are struggling, those that are facing significant burdens. God, I pray that somehow in the middle of this, we could recognize that you are still good, that your goodness isn't based on our circumstances. It's based on your nature. And God, I pray that we could look at our pain straight in the eyes and say, it's not pain, it's preparation. You're doing something in us and you want to do even more through us. So God, help us to trust you so we may rejoice in our sufferings. Consider it pure joy because God, you're maturing us, you're completing us so that we can do your will on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Now keep your eyes closed just for a moment. Just for a moment. You can put your hands down. I know there's some of you here that are really, really low right now. I don't know about you, but I'm convinced that in God's goodness and in God's grace, there are times when God may allow us to get so low that the only direction we can look is up. And if you're there, it's time to look to him. It's time to look up. It's time to surrender your whole life to him, your whole life to him. There are those of you today, and you, you may recognize, Troy, if I'm going to be honest, my, my faith um, is a little more counterfeit than it is real. It's a hard thing to confess, but you're safe here because I think everybody's been there before. You might not, you might even know the lingo. You might, you might know what to say in your head, but it's not really alive in your heart right now. It, maybe it was, but it, it's not so alive right now. Let me remind you of who Jesus is. With your eyes closed, just listen for a second. He's the son of God. He was sinless. He died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. On the third day, they went to look for him, but the stone had been moved and the tomb was empty and he wasn't there because our God had raised him from the dead. Why? So that anyone, and this includes you, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter where you've been, anyone who calls upon the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, the Savior, the Son of God, the risen one, the conquering King of kings and Lord of lords, when you call upon his name, you're saved, you're forgiven, you're changed, you're new, you're different. You don't want to go back to your old way of life because you're transformed. It's not counterfeit, it's real. And for those of you who aren't sure and you don't know where you are, the weight of your sin is just weighing you down, today you're going to be free. Today you can call upon his name and he will remove the guilt. He'll forgive the sins. It's, it's not because you're good though. It's because he's good. And the good news is that he delivers you. He does deliver you from your pain. That's not the best news. The best news is he forgives your sins. When you look up and you want to know him and you want to depend upon him and you want to surrender to him, he'll meet you right where you're at. If you're ready for that today, 
in this area of your life or certainly for your whole life to surrender to Jesus because you're at the bottom and you're looking up now. You're looking, you don't need to look down. You don't need to look around at your circumstances because it looks grim and hopeless. But you can look up and you'll see a hand that's reaching down to lift you to new heights. If you're ready to take the hand of the one who's gonna rescue you, would you lift your hand up to Jesus right now as if you're grabbing that hand? If you, as if you're grabbing that hand, as if you're grabbing that hand this morning. Oh God, we love you. We need you and we thank you. I'd like everybody in the house to pray this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me. Come into my life and rescue me, God. Save me, Lord. Free me, God. I confess that Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I'm not gonna look around. I'm not gonna look down, but I'm gonna keep my eyes fixed upon you, the author and the finisher of my faith. I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. I put my love in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, I want somebody to worship God big in the house today and celebrate loud. People are born into the family of God today. Would you stand to your feet? We're gonna sing this chorus one more time through as our declaration of faith, getting us ready for a week that God is gonna do the miraculous through his children. Hallelujah. Jesus, he is a faithful God. He is a faithful God that has never broken a promise and he is not gonna start with you. God, thank you for this gathering. Thank you for these decisions. I pray, God, that you take us from this place transformed by the renewing of our minds. Help us, Lord God, to live an overcoming life, trusting that even though we're in the thick of it, even though we're in the midst of it, and even though life can stink sometimes, you're still in charge. And we're learning. There's a purpose to the pain. You're developing us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray also today, we lift up Marissa's dad who's in the hospital. We ask God that you heal him, strengthen him, deliver him, give wisdom to the, the medical staff, God, and cause a miracle to happen on his behalf. Father, we lift up all these that are hurting. We lift up this week that we've got a, the funeral. Lift up this week, we've got a, a, a marriage on, on Friday, a wedding and a, a vow renewal after 25 years. Uh, we lift up our ministries that are going into the highways and byways. We lift up our outreach and, and, and campus in South Stockton. And as we're at the threshold of this new campus launching, we lift up God. Even the prayer meeting we have on Saturday night, we ask God that you clear our schedules. May this be a priority to be here for 90 minutes of prayer and worship. Lord Jesus, do a work in and through the ministries of new life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. God bless you, New Life Church. Let's give the Lord a hand clap as we go. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Have a great Sunday. Y'all are dismissed. Amen.